here on Thanksgiving. And so that's where I would like to go today. So uh, I want to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word together. So Heavenly Father, we invite you here. Um, I am a willing but terribly unable in my own servant, as we all are. And I thank you for that. Uh, I admit that freely, Lord, and I ask that by your spirit, you would empower me to do a good work today, as you would be the one doing the good work inside. Um, We all need to hear you, your truth, and would you be the communicator that comes from my words to our hearts, and would something stick, um, as as we all need a fresh word from you today. We all need it. Amen. <laughs> so I was reading up on jokes, and, and I'm not a joke teller. I, I prefer to just make comments on the fly that I think are funny, and then that's the way I tell jokes. Uh, but I was reading up on a joke, and it, and it fit with my message today. The joke was that a very disgruntled worker went into the HR office after finding out that he had been shorted $50 on his paycheck. And he, w- he was very upset, and so he took his paycheck, and he slammed it on the HR desk, and he said, Last, this week you paid me $50 less than what I should have gotten. And so the HR worker, being used to these kind of things, I'm sure, just slid his paycheck to her, and she looked it up on the computer, and she went, Oh, yes, that's true. We have shorted you $50. But you didn't say anything last week when we had given you $50 extra. To this, he replied, I can handle one thing, but two things is too many. And so he could handle the one mistake. You know, I'm a meat cutter and we don't like to be called butchers because butchers implies that we destroyed something and I I butchered that joke. And so there's the real joke, saying something I think is funny on the fly. How would we rate ourselves in our thankfulness today? Chris talked about it. We sang about it. Most of you are aware that today has something to do with thankfulness. And just have a little conversation with yourself. Better yet, pray it, God. Because you know everything, what is the score out of 10 you would give me in my thankfulness? That's the best way to get the best, most actual answers, to pray it. It's also the way that we don't want to do it because we don't want the actual answer. But we, time to time, we struggle in our thankfulness. Do you know how mindful you have to be to be thankful? Like, you have to basically all the time be saying, okay, be thankful, be thankful. Look for the good. Look for the silver lining. It's going to be there somewhere. We don't often... Consider all the things around us that we should be grateful for. And, and that's a big, that's a, we're at a big disadvantage when we do that. Because um, 
if, if we have a level of thankfulness, that's like the bulletproof armor that can take us through life. That is literally what it is. The, 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 the lies of the enemy, the discouragement of the world around us, the strife we have, doesn't penetrate into our vital organs. Imagine that if the world could only give you flesh wounds. Wow, you could make, make some stuff happen then. Because you wouldn't constantly be dressing all your wounds all day. And we do that. All day, we're in, we're in wound management mode. All day. That person said that. That driver did this. My wife did that. My husband did that and that and that and that, just to say it honestly, right? Like, we're constantly going, okay, if I just stitch this up, I can have a good day. If I just uh, put some ointment on that knee, I can have a good day. I can be kind to people. I can have a ministry. But we're binding ourselves up all the time because we're so easily wounded. Because in some ways, we're just waiting for the next Flesh wound or injury. That's definitely my experience. I'm a natural born, come by it honestly, I believe, pessimist. Hi, my name is Matt and I'm a pessimist. Hi, Matt, right? Like, I am. And I, I, I wish I wasn't. And I could be really pessimistic about how pessimistic I am, right? I don't want to talk about thankfulness today. I want to go deeper than thankfulness. I want to go deeper. I want to go so that our baseline is in a better spot to be thankful. So I want to go to the thing that, that we need to get right before we can actually play on a level playing field and live a thankful life. So I'm not going to say thankful very much more today. I want to talk about contentment. Ooh, everyone's going, okay, I can get behind contentment today. This is a huge heart issue, our love of contentment. It sounds boring. Like, like you're, you're going to bring a message on contentment today? That's boring. No one's going to invite me to a party because I'm content. I'm not going to win employee of the month because I'm content. I'm going to get passed over. My spouse is going to make me do all these things. I'm not going to be able to push back at them. And how is being content going to help me with anything? But, but contentment is the groundwork to every other thankfulness or gratitude or positive attitude we could have. Contentment is the real bulletproof vest that's going to allow you to go through life and not always be licking your wounds before you can do something productive. Now, that's something to be thankful for. Okay, one more time. <laughs> Listen to what Paul says. And we're going to look at Paul uh, very closely today. We're going to look at Philippians very closely. If you would just want to go to Philippians, just stay there. That's where we're going to be. Because the letter of Philippians is actually quite straightforward. Paul had an experience with the Philippian church that was unlike many missionary experiences of the time. They heard the message and received him as family. And he never left that bond with the Philippian believers. It was like 
best case scenario uh, apostle and church plant. Yeah, they had their issues. Yeah, they were part of a pagan community, but they had a, they had a group of believers that really sought after the Lord and did their very best to love and support Paul and his mission. From the beginning all the way into the end. It was about 10 years, something like that. And so the book of Philippians, Paul is going on and on and on about his love for the church. Because they truly loved him well and he loved them well in the Lord. And they were bonded and connected. But this is what Paul says. This isn't the verse but, but this is a crazy thing to say. Philippians 3, brothers, join in imitating me. Now, you don't want to throw that out there unless you're really sure, right? Dude, this is the common adage. Son, daughter, do what we are saying for you to do. But dad... But mom, you, no, 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 no. What we're saying for you to do, you should be doing. Right? Would we even want to say to our children, okay, junior, do as you see me doing all the time. Imitate me and you will be fine. I'm not going to teach you anything. Your only job is to imitate me and you will become the man or woman of God that is intended for you. How is that for a parenting encouragement? Why does everybody look so dang comfortable right now? <laughs> right? Like, that's a terrible idea. Paul should never say, church, imitate me. And we're all going to see you in heaven. Right? Nobody can stand up to that. But Philippians has been canonized, which means it is the accepted scripture, totally inspired word of God, and we can trust it fully. And so we're going to do that. We're going to seek to imitate Paul. Paul, because we can't stand up to that. Only this scripture can be stood up to as something intimidate, intimidable. That's a word. You know what I'm saying. Okay? Here we go. Contentment. Verse, or chapter 4, verse 10. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. They were supplying Paul's needs. He was in prison when he wrote this. A nice prison, but still prison. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret in facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul has found a boat that doesn't rise and fall with every wave of the sea. He's found the power 
of consistency. That's a superpower. Consistency is a superpower. It should be a spiritual gift. Consistency. The world needs consistent people. Our hearts are begging for consistency in our souls. Our families, our parenting, our jobs, all they want to see is consistency. And our thankfulness, being known, you know, Thanksgiving should be a Christian holiday like Christmas and Easter. And I'll tell you why. Not because of the spiritual significance, but because Christians have the inner edge to all things thankful. And it comes through being content. And I want to explain why. Because you're still going, okay. So I just have to like not get too high or too low about things. That's contentment. That's not, that's not contentment. And so I wanted to start with Paul's last encouragement. And I want to show you three ways in Philippians where he shows that to be true. And admonished us in that. The first one is this. It's in chapter 1. Under the heading, The Advance of the Gospel. This is an outrageous passage that is so countercultural and so against our own responses as a person, it's just incredible. And I want us to see contentment in this. We'd never respond this way. So he's talking about his imprisonment and how some people have decided they're going to benefit off of this. They're going to they're benefit. That still happens today. We benefit off of the highs and lows of other people. Here's what he says in verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry. That's, that's terrible. That's not a good reason. That's not, that's not respectable. That's not, that's not something that should have any sort of value. Paul should slam that right now. He should shut that down. But others from goodwill. Okay, yeah, that's super. The latter do it out of love. Awesome. Knowing I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former are the ones doing it out of rivalry and envy. So out of a very wicked heart. Proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. Would we say that pastors that... That, that give a good message for money, that's, that's, they're a faithful servant of the Lord. They want that second house. They want the cottage. They want the speedboat. So, so I'm going to make a few more speaking engagements. Would we say that that kind of thing should be rewarded? We would never, we would never say that. In fact, we would, we, would, we, we would take to Facebook and we would destroy those things. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. I'm going to make it harder for him. Not only am I going to benefit, but my rival or enemy is going to suffer more. What then? Oh, now he's going to give it to them. What then? What do we think of this, he's saying? What should we do with these evildoers? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, 
Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Nobody thinks that way. Sorry, like, you don't think that way. I don't think that way. Yeah, yeah, but Paul, you don't understand. Like, they're trying to make it harder for you by preaching the gospel. They don't love God. They don't love their audience. Yeah, but, but they're preaching the gospel. That's awesome. In fact, I'm rejoicing over it. My life is going good because people are trying to get me by preaching the gospel. Who has that level of self-preservation? It's just nowhere in the, in the equation. Nowhere in there is Paul saying, you know, I gotta look after myself here. Maybe I'm gonna fire back. Maybe I'm gonna, maybe I'm gonna leak something to a carrier who's gonna like tell everybody in town, but it's gonna be anonymous, and that's really gonna help my case. Paul is saying, I don't care what happens to me. If it getting worse for me is an advancement of the gospel, I'm good. I'm for it. They should keep doing that. Because people are hearing about the gospel. Here's what Paul is saying in in regards to contentment. If my reputation gets trashed, if my comfort gets stolen, if my name means nothing, and my plight gets worse, but God gains advancement, I win. Like, that's just, there's nothing. Oh, God's still on the throne? God is still the greatest voice? He's still getting heard to the nations? Good, yeah, I'm down. Like, we don't think this way. Think about how unflappable you would be at work. We are constant. I'm, I'm in the non-Christian workforce now, and so it is a bloodbath, okay? Right? Like, like, it's not the church where everyone is trying to just encourage each other the whole time and rah, 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 Right? Which church, but like, right? So like, yeah, people are constantly in every workplace trying to, you know, elbow here, little body check there, you know, I'm, I'm going to just, I'm going to just use you to step up just a little bit here, right? People are constantly jockeying. What if we had the ability to say, that person did a way better job than I did and made me look silly, but boy, did we get a lot of work done. Yay us, I had an awesome day. Somebody totally made me look foolish. And we finished two hours early, and the boss was so pumped, and the customer was so pumped. This is amazing. Like, that's going to eliminate, what, 95% of our stress right there? Could you be thankful if it wasn't about reputation 
acknowledgement, comfort, success, your name, the ladder. You wouldn't, I'm, I'm you wouldn't have a care in the world. And Paul is saying, the advancement of Christ, the knowledge of him for myself and for the people around me is my only objective. And so whatever it takes for that to happen, whatever kind of sliminess needs to happen in the background, I'm good. How many songs, me included, how many songs do we try and stay away from? How many churches do we try and stay away from on YouTube because we don't like some of the press reports that come out of there? Like a lot, like a lot. I spent a lot of my sabbatical, which is a breath of, it, it's just the best. I spent a lot of my sabbatical releasing my offenses with churches I'd never met because I didn't like the things I heard about them in the media. Well, I can't listen to that pastor. I can't listen to, you know, somebody said, you remind me of so-and-so, and I was offended because I was like, you're comparing me to them? And like, who am I to be compared to anyone? But like, we crave a simple life. We need a simple life. We need things to line up. And, and we need to get rid of these things that entangle us and and disable us from living free. Contentment could be the greatest gift you might ever have. I want to go to a couple more examples, but that's, that's, that's crazy. You can see that, that Paul doesn't care. This is another popular one in Philippians, same chapter, a little bit further. You, you, we all know this one. It's Sunday school, but it's, it's just as ridiculous in that Nobody thinks this way, and it shows a level of commitment that is 100% on Jesus being his complete source of all things being well. That's the only compass that he's using. It's the only level that he cares about. We know this. For me to live is Christ, verse 21, and to die is Okay, like, we don't have to go any further. Who's, who's willing? Who's willing to, to really embrace that fully for yourself? To live is Christ, to die is gain. Well, what other rules do you live by? I, I don't have any rules. I just follow that. Right? Well, okay. I, I hope you believe that because Jesus is going to take you home on the way from church today. You are not going to get to see your grandkids. You are not going to get to have that last Thanksgiving meal. But, but, but the turkey was already in. I smelt it before I left for church. Right? The delicious ham from Unger Meats, Right? was in, like, 
Can we just, can we hit that first? Right? What about next week? What are you looking forward to next week? You know, I, I want to admit, I want, I want to see my son graduate high school. I want to retire with my wife. I want to meet my grandkids. And I can't even dare say, then I'll be happy and I'll be willing to die. Because then I'm going to want more. I'm going to want to see my grandkids grow up. And then I'm going to want to see this. And I'm going to want to see that. And Paul is so simply saying, if I live, it's Christ living in me. And if I die, then I win. It's the end of the story. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, sorry. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. He's torn. He's actually torn. I, I, I do remember my Oma who was on her deathbed. And so we get this right on our deathbed often. She was on her deathbed. And every time she woke up from her coma, she was a little bit more distraught. Because she wanted to be with the Lord. And she was actually discouraged. She's like, oh, you again. Why are you still here? Or I was standing there. She asked for my cousin once. That was hurtful. Where's Adam? So like, right? But like, it was so beautiful to see. It was the rubber had met the road. And she was teetering that line. Of, of This wasn't theoretical anymore. She was teetering the line. Eternity in faith. Or the only reality I know. And she was disappointed every time. It was a beautiful way to see somebody go. And really sad. Because omas are amazing. Yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to, to part, depart and be with Christ. For that is far better. He's saying this to the, his favorite people in the world. You, you, you don't compare, I'm sorry. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. There's that, that single-mindedness again. If I live, I live for you because you are who God has put in my path. And if I die, I win. And it's an easy decision. It's a single-minded decision commitment again to say I am going to only measure how everything is going by the Lord am I close to him do I hear him is he is he pushing me on into things is he speaking is he empowering me because if he is he's doing a lot of good work in my midst contentment is a single-minded commitment to our relationship with us and the Lord and it doesn't bow to any circumstance one more again very famous chapter 3 Paul gets cheeky as they do sometimes I don't know what the, word, the Greek word for cheeky is but I'm sure there's something like it there's a Greek word for everything. 
I put no confidence in the flesh. This is in the middle of verse 3, chapter 3. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence, I have more. What does confidence in the flesh bring you? Discontentment. Because you're only happy, you're only satisfied, you're only thankful if your flesh is doing well and the flesh of others is doing well. That's the rule. You gotta ride, you gotta ride the wave then. When we count on the outside world to make and keep us satisfied and give us the things that, so that we can be thankful, we can come to church and we can be thankful. God gave me this, I got a promotion, I got a new vehicle that works great. Right? These are good things to be, these are not bad things to be thankful for. And we should, on any point in time, be able to write 150 things we are thankful for without stopping. Seriously, 150. I haven't tried it, so I'm just throwing out a number. But come on. We can be thankful for 150 things spur of the moment. Because we all have things in our life that are good. But it's still fickle. What happens if our thankfulness, our gratitude, our praise is, is, is tied to temporary imperfect things? We are on the roller coaster that, that we're all on. We're on the roller coaster. And Paul is saying, I don't play by those rules. That doesn't work for me. I did that, and I've gladly laid it all down. I put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence. If anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. That was a big deal back then. Of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, he's just speaking out his resume here. And to the people he's talking to, it's a very good resume. MD in this, masters in that. I can run a 4-4. I have a 45-inch vertical. I'm really, really handsome. I'm speaking for Paul. I am none of those things. <laughs> Again, not that Paul. <laughs> We're too old, Paul. Come on, man. Okay, come on, guys, let's get serious here. <laughs> a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a, a persecutor of the church. Perfect. Blameless, he calls himself. Whatever you're measuring me by, he's saying, I measure up. And it's a worthless venture. Because they don't last, and it's a poor, poor reference to how I'm doing and how my life is. Poor, poor reference. Indeed, I count everything as loss. And here's real contentment. For the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So, so think about this for a minute. Like, Think about the thing you are most proud of. 
And, and we all have identity problems, but we all have something we're proud of. Think about the talent, the skill, the ability you are most proud of. And then ask your heart, is Christ more precious to me than that thing? Sorry, lay your marriage up there. And if you haven't failed yet, lay your children up there. I'm, I'm out. Like, this is not to make you feel bad. This is to invite us in the secret of all of contentment is that Christ is better than everything else. That's contentment. That will make you always have thankfulness on lock. Because the very thing that can never be taken away from you is the very thing that brings you the utmost joy and satisfaction. He's not simply the answer to our prayers. He doesn't simply want to heal. He wants us to be the utmost satisfied and joyful in his presence. He's not the faithful get out of jail free card, but the greatest friend, the greatest confidant, the greatest comforter, And that will make you bulletproof in your very soul. We need to be bulletproof. We, 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 I don't know how this would feel. I wish I did. Because I too get nicked up. You know, I went back to the. I went back to the. Uh, <laughs> I went back to the workforce. You know, outside of the church, where I was fully encouraged and loved on all the time, it was a bit embarrassing. And so I, I'm so grateful for the team that I had. But they, I've said this to them. They didn't prepare me for going into the real world. Because I was like, man, people don't care about my feelings. People are willing to give me constructive criticism, and that's it. They don't make a sandwich out of it or anything. Right? You guys know that? The sandwich, right? <laughs> See, I just say dumb things, and then it's funny to me. Right? And I realized I'm a sensitive fella. Huh? Super sensitive, yeah. Like you're one to talk. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> but I'm a sensitive guy, super sensitive guy. And I get hurt and offended very easily. And that hurts my ability to be thankful. 
because I'm not protected in the vitals. So these little flesh wounds, they seem like so much more. And God, is, God has already made it all available for us to be bulletproof in him. Can you imagine, can you imagine the opportunity you have to parent without all of the sense of approval you need to feel, all of the insecurities about the past, all of the mistakes that you made that you just can't get over, all of the um, high expectations of the world, your kids need to look like this. I mean, we know we get judged by our, our children. People see our children and judge us. And it's probably not even mean all the time. It just sounds really bad. Right? But we think, oh my goodness. Like, what is, what is going on there? Right? What if those things were facts and not flaming arrows? Fact, not flaming arrow. Contentment in the Lord, saying, you are the only thing that I will rise and fall by. Makes all of the arrows of the world Facts, words, suggestions, easily flicked away. Opinions even. What if all of the criticisms we heard, the expectations that wound us, the faults from the past were just things that were written on somebody's Facebook wall? We don't give more than two seconds to those things. Usually. God is wanting us to walk through life bulletproof and immune to the arrows of the people around us and of, this, of, of the world and of the darkness. Because he's wanting all of the goodness in our life to be wrapped up in him. It says this in Luke uh, 8.20, I think, 10.20. He says... They're all marveling at some of the miracles that he's doing. And he, and he shuts them down. It, it, it's very strange. He shuts them down. He says, don't be, don't be glad about that. Don't be excited about that. Be glad that your name is written in the book of life. And what is he saying? He's saying, you're going to lose if you get all wrapped up in the, the stuff that's going on around you. You're going to lose don't do it. It's slippery. It's inconsistent. It's fickle. And it really doesn't care about you. Put your goodness and the very element of yourself in the Almighty. Where moth and thief cannot disrupt One word of grace here, because this is heavy. Is it he Maybe it's heavy. Larry, heavy? Yeah? <laughs> this is a process. And we forget Paul is writing Philippians after he's suffered most of his, minus the beheading, he's pretty much done. 
right? And for Paul, a beheading is not a big deal, right? Like, like seriously, if, if we trust the things he says, it's like, it's not a big deal. I can gladly wait here in a Roman house with guards, not chains, where I can receive visitors and one day they're gonna tell me I'm, it's time to die. Like, that, this is Paul living his best life. He's done it. He's learned all of this the hard way. And the Lord expedited his process. What is, the, what is one of the first things God prophesied over Paul? He said, I showed myself to him maybe as magnificently as anyone else and healed him on the spot. But boy, is he gonna pay. And, and, and God spared him no expense. He suffered in every way imaginable for a people that he loved and God that he served. And so he's learned this. And so we're all in the process of learning this too. Real contentment that, that lines up and stands up to real life. Contentment theoretically, yeah, that's good. But day by day, God wants to grip us with the reality that I am the only thing, the only thing worth holding on to I am the only thing of true value, and I am worth every, every bit that it takes to get more of me. Unfortunately, it's hardship often that gets us there. But as I said, I think we can write 150 things we're thankful for to find true contentment in the Lord, the one that allowed Paul to go through every circumstance. That, that's a total game changer because it's actually going to put us into a place where we can see the things around us as what they are and not what we perceive them to be. I, I'm, I'm having trouble finding the words to, to the, just the gripping that I feel for us to get this. I, I, I don't know. To find true contentment in the Lord will make you as ready for heaven as you can get. That doesn't do it. Like that, that. Sure, that's great, but that doesn't even. So let's let's stand, and, and I wanna I wanna pray and bless uh, Scripture over us. Colossians 1, it's the next page. 
Verse 11, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That, that's our compass. Father, we, would you minister, because I just have nothing that can relay just the, the urging that is in me. I, I just can't. Lord, we need you to minister to our hearts. It's, maybe this is a different Sunday. And <sighs> it's no less glorious when, when you are involved. And, and I truly believe, I truly believe with my whole being that, that you want us to feel so confident to go through every high and low of life. You want us to be battle-tested and steady. You want us, you want us to be that I just think of that, that story. I, I, I walked for 12 hours last week, and, and why, I don't know. I, I just did it. I signed up, and I did it. It was a race. And, uh, and I went with a backpack, which is not a good idea. And, and my friend of mine went with a backpack as well. And um, I made it six laps with the backpack for a multitude of reasons. I felt they were good reasons to, to lay it down. And I found at the, the end of lap 10, when we had finally met our goal, I was able to walk in front of my friend and encourage him and, and call him into the finish line. I was able to help him because my burden had been lifted. I was free. I, didn't, I wasn't concerned for myself anymore. I was concerned for him and his load. And, and the heart of contentment, the branding of contentment on our hearts will allow us to be free of burden for the one that we walk beside. And we can lead them and we can call them into successful walk. And we can take our eyes off of ourselves and onto the ones that we're journeying with. That's what Paul was doing. He had the ability to journey on ahead and call people into further and further steps than they were capable of. That's our calling as well. So we give you this, Lord. Would you, would you make us useful to the kingdom? Absent of self, that our focus could be on the people around us and on you, our great leader. Amen.